0: You are listening to the Tricer podcast, where we talk all things hunting, gear, and the great outdoors. Before we begin, let's start things out right and put God first. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Tricer, and I ask that you can use this podcast as a way to bring joy to all of our listeners. We lay Tricer and this podcast at your feet. Amen. Alright, another episode. This time we got Gavin Swinson from He the Monster Outdoors. Super cool dude, super cool company, small company starting out, doing videos, doing all kinds of filming all kinds of hunts, making some really cool films that I really enjoyed watching. And he's been a Trichester customer for a pretty long time now. It's like a few years. So it's been a nice to a relationship with him. And I love a good hunting story. And I'm intrigued by the whole filming thing and what you're doing there. Because I've started trying to film and I've decided that I'm just not going to be able to film unless I pay someone to film for me because it's just... I can't do both, and I feel like it ruins my hunts. <laughs> Gavin, tell me about you. Tell me about who you outdoors. go for it.
1: Yeah, so I grew up here in New Mexico, a little town near the border. I'm sure a lot of people know it just based off of hunting. We have some awesome elk here. But I passed under safety, I think, when I was like six or seven years old. My dad got me into hunting when I was young, just taking me out hunting on his trips, chasing small game, and then started hunting around eight. And thankfully, I had a really good guy to learn from. My dad was an amazing hunter and harvested some awesome animals, but like any other kid, you get to high school and you get busy with sports and stuff like that and your dreams change. And so I decided I wanted to try to get a scholarship for football and I was really focusing on that. So I hadn't hunted for a period of probably five or six years. So I played two two years here at New Mexico State University and then had to stop due to injuries. And so I had nothing else really going on. So I decided to pick up hunting again. And the first year I applied, I didn't draw anything. And I remember I was so depressed. It's You're looking forward to it, getting back into it. And I didn't draw anything. And the following year, I put in for some elk and deer, and I drew elk archery. So had no idea at all what I was getting myself into. Thankfully, my dad and uncle had done it a lot. So they were giving me giving me some pointers and stuff, but I'd never been in the mountains in September. I'd never heard a bugle in my life up to that point. So it was <laughs> something completely. Oh yeah. And so I draw awesome. this tag. So Dude, I didn't have a bow. I didn't have binoculars. All the camo I had didn't fit me anymore. I didn't have a backpack, no boots, nothing. I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> but so I started looking on Rockslide, watching YouTube videos, just taking in knowledge as much as I could and looking online and shopping. And so I got myself just the necessities that I needed. And that was it. I bought some nice camo and some boots and some binos because that's what everybody said. And that, was, that pretty much took up all the money that I had saved up. So thankfully my uncle's about the same size as me. So I was able to use his bow. So that was really nice there. But yeah, it was crazy. I had four months to prepare and it felt like every day I was trying to figure something out for elk, like looking online, listening to podcasts, just everything I could possibly do. And so, it, it, it just is crazy.
0: How big of a bull did you kill on your first elk hunt? He was, I was
1: supposed to kill a really big bull. Oh,
0: you seriously killed one?
1: I did. I got one. Oh, uh, dang, I was the dude, second I, to I was last just day. Joking. No, I got one. It, oh, it, it, it wasn't very easy. It was the hardest hunt I think I've ever hunted in my life, just because I wanted one so bad. But the, the when we drew, so me and my cousin applied together on the same application. And so we both drew. And so he had hunted out before. So I'm going in this whole time thinking that I got someone with me the whole time, but his best friend was getting married in Ohio. So he wasn't going to be there for the last few days of the hunt. And so my dad and my uncle, we drove up there and we drove in five miles. We set up a tent, a cooler, ice chest full of food, some waters and they said all right figure it out we'll be here in 10 days <laughs> and so they left oh, me no out way. there by myself <laughs> and i had never been out in the mountains by myself before that point and it, it was just it was a shell shock for me you're in the woods by yourself you don't have anyone to talk to i was seeing animals i passed up a small five by five the i think the first or second day just because i was like let's see what else is here and then a couple of raghorns. I actually saw the biggest deer of my life, like 30 yards away from me. I was sitting water the first couple of days and I took a nap about noon and I look over to my right and there had to be, he's probably like 180 to 200 inches, just big, solid velvet buck, just standing 30 yards to my right. Couldn't believe it. Got him on video and that's what started the whole ordeal. But my cousin came up and we were going to sit some water the last few days in the evenings and then hunt hard in the mornings. So we sat at these two tanks that were probably a mile apart. And the plan was if someone gets a bull, we're going to meet in the middle at the side-by-side and wait till dark. So the other guy doesn't get messed up. I'm sitting there reading a book in the blind and I I look up and I see a, a nice seven by seven coming in. And this is the first real big bull like I've ever seen in my life. So I'm shaking real bad, trying to stay as calm as I can. And he gets into about 40 yards So I draw my bow back in my blind and I'm getting ready to rise up and take the shot. And all these cattle just come busting through the tank. And so I'm sitting there, what the heck happened? Like, why did these cattle just come running through the tank like that? So I'm sitting there angry and frustrated. And I look over to my left and my cousin's walking towards me shaking his hands up in the air like this. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) So he got a bull that night. So we almost doubled up right there. And we went, we walked back and it got dark tracked his blood as far as it, as we could. And we didn't want to push him because it was so late. So we decided we'll come back in the morning and, and we'll track him. So we dropped him off in the morning. It was the second to last day of the hunt. And my dad was like, I'm here. Let's just go see if we can find something. So we climbed up this one ridge and I was seeing bulls, but they were like three miles away. And for me at the time, that just seemed way too far. Like it just wasn't possible. And so we ripped a few calls and lo and behold, we got a, a bull to reply to us. And he came walking up this ridge, kept responding to us, uh, which I'd never had, it was the first hunt in New Mexico. So it's pretty hot. And I'd never had a bull respond back like that this whole hunt. So I was getting excited and I could see him once he got on top of the ridge through the tree line, he was only like 50 yards away most of the time. And I could see his butt or I could see his antlers moving through the trees and I could never get him to come in and I told my dad, I was like, you know what? It's the second to last day. If we got a bull down there, I'm just going to, I'm going to go give it a shot. So I dropped my pack and my binos and I just went to stalk him and see if I could get a shot. And I worked through the trees and got into this circular opening on the ridge and I'd seen something out of the corner of my eye and there was just a tree shaking and I could just hear his rack raking that tree. And I, my eyes got big and I started shaking like crazy. So I, I get to where I can get a shot. And there was just tree limbs everywhere. And I was like, I can't get a shot on him. And so I got down on my knees to see if I could shoot under him. And there was two logs of a trunk like this. And right in between them, I could just see his vital spot. And he was 13 yards from where I was sitting. So I drew back and it was like paper testing to me. I was like, it's like a paper test. I'm going to shoot him like a paper test. So I let it fly. And that was it. I double lunged him. He fell 40 yards from where I hit him. And that was it. We had two bulls in two days. So. A lot of work, but, oh, man, I, I, he's not big, but definitely my favorite harvest, that's for sure.
0: So that just, like, I have, I'm friends with Dylan Deets. I don't know if you listen to that podcast. Mm-hmm. It took him 10 years to finally kill a bull. Like, you got in and opportunities to bull. Like, you got ruined. No wonder oh, yeah. you got so hooked on hunting, dude. Like, you got out there. One thing I can say to you on the sitting water thing, I feel like that is such an underrated thing now with, like, Western hunting. Especially New Mexico and Arizona choke points and sitting water like it's if you sit there longer if you're probably going to get an elk i just went hunting with my son and he missed a pretty decent bowl opening day and then we got our freaking butts kicked the last, next seven days it was yeah. we got soaked it snowed on us and we just got our butts kicked on a late season hunt but i swear to you if we were to sat on a couple of these ridges and just sat there for the we would have killed a elk that's the like way it is I-
1: it's like Did a guarantee the these animals are going to be moving through here. It's a saddle on a ridge or a watering hole. The problem is you have the patience boring. to do it or not. <laughs> you boring. know, There's days where I would see bears and deer and cows and bulls and I would pull out my phone and I have videos. This one day I saw a cinnamon black bear, which was the biggest bear I'd ever seen. And then I saw 20 cows come in at one time with a bunch of fawns and then there was two bucks feeding and it was like every hour something else would come in. But then for three or four straight days, nothing would come in at all. And then you would hear all the bugles around you and then you want to go out and explore and you don't sit water and that's when they come in. It's just hard to do, but it is very successful. I still do it sometimes this day if I can have the patience for it.
0: Yeah, and I get like with archery, elk hunting, especially in the Rut, like you want to chase bugles. That's the fun thing about it. It's awesome. But honestly, like if you're just getting into hunting, if you could find, especially if it's dry, like the just went on, it rained and it wasn't dry. There was water in rocks. There was water. I mean, that water wasn't going to be a any factor anymore. Once once it rains and you get water holding up spots, you're not, water's not going to be a any factor anymore. Right. Like, some of those dirt tanks in New Mexico and Arizona are just golden. Like you're going to have, come I in. my first bull I ever killed. We hunted, we didn't even see no one for six days. And I sat water to the last day. And I swear to you, like it, it it gives me goosebumps thinking about like the noise of that thing coming through the trees. Yeah. It was like dusk. We have 10 minutes left. It jumps the like they have the barbed bar wire fence. It jumps the fence. And I just freaking hammered him, man. 35 yards. Honestly, I shot him like four times. Like I shot him. Perfect shot. Walk in the water. I shot him in the water. The guy did. I was <laughs> I, I was like just flipping out. I mean, we were hunting. We were shooting for six days. Then I shot him again, and, and then he went down to try to get up. I shot him the <laughs> neck. Like I was just like, "You are going." to – At this point, I think this was like twenty seventeen. I listened to so much Randy Newberg. Like you shoot him till they're down. Dude, yeah. I don't know how. It wasn't sound like I had a semi-automatic rifle when I was shooting a bolt <laughs> action. I was just like reloaded and hammering. <laughs> it was, but it was an effective method and it worked. It doesn't always work, but it really is an effective method. So you were how old are you now? How long ago was this?
1: So I'm 25 now. And I think I got that bull. I got that bull when I was 21. So I was 21 okay. years old. And that was the first time that I'd ever drawn elk. And I'd never, I'd never seen a bull before this hunt just because I was never there looking for them. But for that age, I've been told by a lot of people to go on your first hunt and get an elk like that. What's a big deal. And I was pretty spoiled by it. Thankfully, my dad and my uncle, they they hunted really big back in the nineties. And In the 2000s, bow hunting wasn't as big as it is today, and so they learned very well, and they put me in some of the right spots where I needed to be. But sitting in the water and having elk come in like that, I swear, that it gets your nerves going worse than calling one in, I think, because it's just so freaking unexpected. And to have it happen, I I thought I was going to get one at water, but I didn't. I was... I think I I felt I earned him a little bit versus just sitting and waiting, but I don't really think there's a difference. Honestly, if you get a bull, especially in a desert like New Mexico, it's a big deal.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. So you were already, you're talking about, this was like your first time really getting back into hunting and you were already filming like at this point, right? You were actually like recording a little bit on this hunt because that's what your passion is now. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like you're passionate about filming hunts, right? That you really do enjoy that is this what sparked it recording on your phone just sort of sparked you wanting to actually film hunts and start making stuff because you're doing some pretty cool stuff and well, it's only been like four years
1: no thank you i appreciate that but no this hunt is what gave me the bug to start filming it's but when i was telling you how those all those animals are coming into the tank i was just pulling out my phone and just recording them I'd, I'd have videos that were like five to ten minutes long of bears just walking in and watering and does running around. And, and I even filmed the stock. It was the worst filmed video you'd ever seen in your life. I had my phone in my pocket just so that you could hear the bugle and I could hold my bow. But it, the, what really got me into talking to the camera is I had been out there, I think, eight to nine days before I had seen someone straight. And I was seeing all this cool stuff. And I got to the point where I was talking to myself. And so I started videoing myself like, hey, I saw a couple elk today. Like, this is what kind of went on. And I just kept doing that. And once the hunt kind of started over, once the hunt was over, I told myself I should just start filming everything. If you're not doing I'm not doing it to get famous by any means at all. I do it because I love it. But one of the other reasons I do it is because my grandpa has, he was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago. And he was, he really loved the outdoors, going hunting with us and camping. But it's another form or a method for me to let him experience what we're doing out there without actually being there. So it's, it was mainly for that and for our family, just, and friends showing them what we're doing out there, but it's morphed into something else now. And I think it's getting bigger than I thought it would be. <laughs>
0: That's really neat, dude. You, are you doing a lot of stuff? Like you talked about being out there for 10 to 12 days on your own. Are you doing a lot of your stuff solo? Like I, uh... That's admirable to me because, like, I just did 14 days with my two of my boys. We sent one boy halfway home. By the time I get to like day eight, I have uh, you're married now, right? I'm engaged. You're engaged. Okay, back to me. Like, I have five kids. And by the time I get to like day seven and eight, I really start missing my family and, and wanting to go home. And I, I really have to, like, I'll have like really big lows mm-hmm. on those hunts. And I'll be home. With my wife, okay, like, hey, I really miss you guys. I miss the kids. Like, you, you start missing. Like the normalcy of life, a little bit,
1: yeah. No, I think then, that's hundred percent highs
0: as well. Like, you'll be like, you, you don't care, but then, like, these I start dealing with this. Are you just like able to solo hunt, like, no problem, or are you don't like how is that for you?
1: I, if I have to, I will. I have that hunt, I hunted solo for a few days. Thankfully, I had people there when I got the bull, otherwise, that would have been a completely different story, I think. But most of the time, I have Nick with me, we do a lot of filming together. I'll go scouting for a couple days by myself. And then I hunted Barbary sheep in January of this year. And I actually did that hunt solo, but it was only for a day. I got lucky and found a Barbary sheep on the first day. But like one of the things that we've been talking about this year is I'm trying to explore into other States for hunting elk, just because I haven't drawn in the past two years. really like taking other people, but I really want to hunt elk again. So I've been talking to Nick and Cody, the guys that I hunt with, and it's or with our schedules, it's it's hard to make it out there. So it's looking like my first out-of-state elk hunting experience uh, next September is probably going to be by my, myself. But I'm probably going to miss some things from home, my fiancé and stuff. We just got engaged this year, so I I can see that playing a role. And then I have a, I have a dog, Boomer, who I hang out with a lot, so that's another thing too. But, yeah, I think it's going to be tough. But we'll see how it goes.
0: When are you guys getting married?
1: So – we actually have a couple friends getting married next year. So we're going to wait till 2025. So 2025. I'm trying to coordinate and plan around as many hunts as possible. That way our anniversary doesn't hit any hunts.
0: <laughs> just make sure when you get her pregnant. It's like in September. Right. <laughs> not like now, like if you don't want to have that kid, like August, September time, it's just going to mess. I mean, this is selfish, but you want to make sure you space it out. Like one of my good friends, jake is on the podcast like he has three kids in september and i'm like what and he's a huge elk guy like mom's elk well, so like, what are you thinking he's like, i don't know it's just what god did i think god wanted him to be born then i don't know what happened
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the plan we'll see we'll see what she says she's gonna have a bigger say than i do about that probably
0: <laughs> yeah they so now you've done this and now you've started to film film hunts and are, you're filming like you guys are really digging into bear hunting right I've seen a lot of bear videos, right? And you're filming everything. So how did that come about? And how's that going for you? Tell me about it.
1: So it was an interesting deal. After I got back from that hunt, I went on a couple other hunts that year, especially with my buddy, Nick, and got really close to them. So I just shot him the question. I was like, hey, do you want to film some hunts? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And so the next year we drew some hunts. And the only thing that we used to film was our phones. We bought like those gorilla tripods and mm-hmm. the the little fuzzy cheap mics and we were just filming and we started with our scouting trips. We were going up into the Gila wilderness scouting and filming and we realized we should probably get another guy with us. That way, if two of us draw, we can have someone filming what we hunt. So we brought another one of my buddies, Cody, who I also went to school with. And so it became a group of three. And we filmed a couple hunts that year, had a lot of technical issues with the phones. You're using Onyx, your phone's dying, you're filming, your mics are getting ruined from all the weather. And then you put it together once you get uh, outside the hunt on your laptop and the quality just looks absolutely terrible. And so we really wanted to invest into the gear, but it's hard to justify spending a couple thousand dollars on really nice camera equipment. And so we were just trying to roll with what we had for the first year, produce all our films and post them on YouTube and just see how they did. And we were pretty surprised with the results. We're getting pretty good views. And so the last year we decided to upgrade to GoPros, which was a mistake. I love them. They're very handy, but goodness gracious that you just can't really capture the moment. And we had so many good shot opportunities, but you just can't zoom in with the GoPro. We missed a ton of footage. And of course we're learning, we're trying to, we're trying to film and not be autonomous. And then also filming our family members hunts and trying to get them involved somewhat to make an interesting video and then learning how to be quiet while you're filming and still capture content and just try to make something different that people don't have. That was one of the biggest things. And then this year, Nick and I, we'd saved up a little bit and we both got some really nice Sony mirrorless cameras. And we've been shooting everything for this year on those cameras, and we just finished editing two of our elk hunting videos from this year. And I mean, the, the quality, the shots we have, the the film, how they came out, it, it's just phenomenal. It's really come together.
0: That's awesome. So I went out this year and I bought. I'm filming right now. It's all like a Nik- Nikon Z30, mm-hmm. sweet little camera. But the difference between using this camera and my phone, night and day. Like when you yeah. use a real camera, it's like night and day for picture quality. It just looks better. The iPhones are pretty great. Like I have whatever, the 14 Pro or whatever. Yeah. Sick camera for what it is. And honestly, laziness like takes in a lot of times. And I'm just going to leave the camera drunk or in my tent and issues because it does add weight. And then I'm talking to to Limitless Outdoors. And if you follow Justin Colton. Yeah. Limitless. <clears throat> they filmed all their hunts up till this year on like the handy cams. So I bought one of those handy cams. and It has the whole like gimbal built into it. It's pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, and I started trying to film some stuff this year, but like you said, like trying to basically guide my children and film and be the content guy for Tracer, it just like it almost was ruining it for me. I was like, I can't do this.
1: Yeah.
0: I can't film and do this. So I'm intrigued by filming. I just don't think I can do it myself. I like what you're saying, like you almost need a third person. Like on this last week, we went to Arizona and we, we killed a coos deer. Should mention it now. My kid killed a pretty good buck, probably like that was many, a nice
1: buck. It was nice. Yeah.
0: My 17-year-old missed. I don't want to say Boone and Crockett, but I wouldn't throw that. The biggest cruise drive I've ever seen in my life. The total package, giant G2s, just came around. The main beams touched, almost t- it touched. It me, almost touched. Giant four or five inch kicker off the right. Wow. Buck of a lifetime. And he didn't kill it. But on that hunt, I brought my buddy Cage from Matt Hunt's to, to take pictures and film for us a little bit. Not film the hunt necessarily, but just be there. And it made it so much more enjoyable for me. It's just not I'm, not, I'm just not good at it. You must have an eye for it. I've you your guys' stuff, it's so good. It's hard to have an eye for that. I've always, let me take a picture and everything's just centered on there and click grip and grin. And like I said, you've got this stuff and it's, you've got B-roll and you've got the shots are from over the shoulder and angle, it just looks really good. Like, where does that come from? Just naturally you're artistic like that? Or it just, you can't just give somebody a camera and do it. My point. Like, I, I cannot do it. I'm just not that guy.
1: It's hard. It really is. Even with the GoPros, when you're trying to maneuver and keep good footage, get it like peek over people's shoulders and stuff, it, and then not hit branches and make noise while you're doing it, it's so difficult. And like a lot of the things that, that me and Nick do, because we do a lot of the filming is we watch as many hunting videos as we can, as many. And we watch all like their styles, what they do. And then you'll find videos that people really like. And necessarily we don't try to copy them, but we try to take parts and implement it into our own styles. And so the B-roll is something that I really like, but I don't like to use it too much as well. I'd like it for animals and stuff to really show them off. And then this year we took mules hunting. So I did a lot of B-roll with with the mules when we were loading them up. So that was really cool. But Now we have these big mirrorless cameras and they are heavy. And then we have these chest mounts for them and they're lugging on your chest all day. And you're trying to hold it with two hands and walk and film. And it's tedious at times. But Once you do it, so much, it just becomes second nature. And I'd never used a camera before in my life for anything like this. <laughs> I I knew nothing about them. And so I was watching YouTube videos, talking to people that had cameras, just trying to learn as much stuff as I could. And even today, I still struggle sometimes setting my camera right, I'll have the image too bright or it'll be fuzzy or something like that. But I try to do the best that I can, but it's a lot of work. And there's times when I hate it, don't get me wrong. If, if I'm filming myself, Most of the time, I'm okay. But my dad, for example, we went, we took my younger brother on a hunt, and he likes to glass and he hates driving. And my brother can't drive. So I'm trying to drive, I'm trying to film, I'm trying to glass, I'm trying to do this. It's times like that where it gets to be a little bit of the pain of the butt, but we're getting used to it. We're figuring out new ways to film. And for example, we're going on a Barbary sheep hunt this weekend. So thankfully, I'm going to have Nick with me. So I'll get to guide my brother and my dad around a little bit and have Nick filming and I can film as a backup. So we work around it the best we can. But a lot of it in the beginning was just we got lucky with good stuff. and But now our, our more recent stuff has been something we've been trying to research and get really good at.
0: Yeah, I, I want to talk to you a little bit off-air what unit you're hunting, if you go, if you give it to me. But I did Barbary's down there right before it got too hard to draw for non-residents. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite hunts, hands down. And when it was a draw unit, I, I'm actually kicking around coming down and just doing the open units. Yeah. Because they're just so fun, and I love glassing. Like I will out, not out-glass, but I will sit in the glass longer than most people. So I feel like right. I'm pretty confident I can try and find a, find a sheep in some of these harder units. But uh, that's a fun hunt. You talked about um, you watch a lot of hunt films, right? Yeah. Uh, who's your who do you who do you find dynamic? Who do you find inspirational? Like,
1: it's hard to say. I really like the stuff that Go Hunt has been pushing out. I do. It's really good. It's what they do is just insane, and I know they they hire different guys to film their hunts, so it's cool because every film will be different. Versus some guys, you'll see the same aspects in every film. These guys, sometimes they have different guys coming in and filming. I think they had a guy from New Zealand. I was listening to a podcast. They had a guy from New Zealand on. And it's just, their films are phenomenal. They are so good at telling a story and capturing the hunt. And one of my favorite things is they capture how hard the hunt is. And not a lot of people are able to do that.
0: Not in 15 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) They hunt. So do you, uh, I have a little bit of a relationship with Luke Dusenberry. So Luke films a lot for Gohan. He's a Christian dude. He's somebody you should reach out to and talk to because he's just a super cool dude, and he's filming a lot of those hunts. And you can tell, like when it's a, like when it's Brady's hunts, it's probably Luke going now because like yeah. Luke's dumb enough to go with Brady. <laughs> and so it's it's that's a whole another thing too. There's a lot of like hipsters that film. Mm-hmm. There's no way they're gonna survive a hunting with me. Oh no, they're gonna be they're gonna be I, I quit, dude. Like on this last. I'll I started going like hypothermic because we got we the snow all melted. It snowed like four to six inches, and then it it melted. And I didn't have a rain pants on, and it it freaking seeped into my socks. I had two inches of water in my boots, and I started like shivering. Like I didn't make I had to make fire. My kids like, what's wrong with the dude? I'm serious. I got like like I don't joke around. Like I'm pretty. I consider myself like a greedy person, a tough person. Mm -hmm. And we had to make a fire and dry our stuff out. And I could not. There's a lot of filmers who just be like, yeah, screw this, man. I'm out of here. Something oh yeah.
1: A hundred percent. It's, there's a difference between filming and like the way I see it is I think this is, this has to be the toughest filming there is. Cause most yeah. of the productions, movies, TV shows, whatever you're doing, it's always a set environment. You're going through the mountains, the weather's changing, the sunlight's changing. You're going through the shade, you're hiking in some of the, probably the worst country ever and trying to keep up with hunters who work out for months at a time and know how to get around in the mountains. It is tough. Yeah. It, I think that – I wouldn't necessarily call it a market, but there's I think there's a lot of opportunity to for, to pick up films for other people, and hopefully in the future that's something that we could do. It's nice to have a cameraman that not only can capture your hunt but can throw some meat on his back and get behind the glass when he needs to.
0: Yeah, I already told you that we'll probably be talking next year because I don't want to film my own hunts. Um, <laughs> a couple of people who I really enjoy watching, I obviously enjoy Dread Limitless, Those guys are Christian dudes who just – those guys – Ha- harder than like most people like with well in their lifetime in a week I mean, they do some crazy stuff so those guys are fun to watch and let's live what they're doing i love what Grady's doing i think brian has a way of showing care of, of showing a story mm-hmm. and, and really bringing you into it and also like he's very descriptive with like pop outs and points and like he brings you into that moment right these guys are right. 14 days and then they're putting it into a 20 minute film which is crazy to think of right. there's a lot of to that so i like brian stuff and then someone else who i don't have a relationship with stone glacier has some really good hunts yes. i love Stone glacier sounds i feel like they have some of the i do love gohuns too Hunts are phenomenal watch all their stuff but i really like stone glacier stuff too they have a way of filming that this is really natural which i like these and i think Gohan and creating Limbus do the same thing you guys as well it's like It's almost like you're there, and it's not a production. I Mm -hmm. I don't like a production, right? And I think we've, I think that Ronello really did a good job of like starting this trend of getting away from this. Like when I was a kid, because I'm almost 40 now, it was all like it was a production, and then there was a kill shot, and then there was like six more shots of that kill shot, yeah, and then they always killed something. And but it was just years watching it for the kill shot versus now. Like if you could take me into. The Heal Wilderness, which I try and draw every year. I try and draw Otto Leopold. I try and draw those units. I don't want to name numbers off in New Mexico, but <laughs> I, I feel like it's getting harder harder to draw. Um, if you could draw that tag as a resident and take me into it and show me that experience and show me the same hills that Otto Leopold walked, that's that's really neat. More so than the kill, right? Even with these hunts I spent on with my kids, like I'm almost glad that he missed a bowl opening day even though I was like really bummed at the time, but I was tired. Then we hunted seven more days, and we got to have that experience. And I can tell you right now yeah. that my kid has more grit than 99% of men. His, his right knee, got he packed an elk out. We packed out five elk in Utah this year, cows. He tore his knee. Like He's going to the doctor's on Friday. I told him he can't go to the doctor's until we get back from these hunts. And that kid, the torn knee, I'm assuming is torn, it's torn because he's still swollen, besides the softball. He got up at 4 a.m. and hiked in and, and had that, that grit to be out there freezing his freaking nuts off glass of and drop and they live in hell holes, drop it down. We were doing over a hundred floors a day and like eight to 10 miles. One of our packouts took us three hours to get out. So we started packing at five and we didn't wow. get back up to where the truck was until 8 PM. Right. And if you could film a film and oh, yeah. have me experience that, I really enjoy that way more than a kill. I, I enjoy hunting and glassing. And the experience of being with my sons and being out there and just way more than the kill show. And that's what I, I like what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah. The, the biggest thing for us is just trying to show people it's possible. So we're trying mm-hmm. to show that it's not as hard as, as some people make it out to be. Granted, are you going to be successful as much as a lot of these big time guys? Probably not. I've only ever killed one elk. It just goes to show I, I've been on other hunts, but what my brother, we got him an elk this year and he didn't get an elk for two, three years. And my other brother, we got him an elk this year. He didn't get a bull for two, three years. But they go on these hunts and get to see that it's possible. They work hard. They persevere. They're in places that they never imagined that they would be in, hiking miles a day, learning to work hard. And not only that, but have a good time hunting and enjoying time with your family and capture that for our viewers out there. I think it does a lot of good for the hunting community.
0: That's awesome. How into, so what is your jam? I feel like your jam's bears, but I'm wrong. Like is me? It, is it bears what's your thing
1: i love bears i've never gotten a chance to shoot one i almost did this year i drew on a sow but her cub was still with her so that kind of sucked for me i love oryx it's one of the funnest hunts i think in the u.s because you're hunting antelope but they're a lot bigger and the environment they're in is just insane and i think they're some of the most beautiful animals that we can hunt here in north america and they're insane so
0: off, um, off range oryx, them.
1: Oh yeah, they're, they're a blast. And then so elk. Everyone loves time. elk. Everyone loves elk. I love elk. But if I was going to pick one thing, it'd have to be oryx. And if you, if I was going to say you put in for one hunt here in New Mexico, it's that's what it's got to be. They're fun. You have the whole month off range, and they just taste amazing.
0: And so I, uh, I've seen them off range on my Barbary hunt. I really want to do. That's a I want to do as well. Put in for that and do. It. I put in for every year on range. I don't know if you heard. I had a podcast a few months ago, and the guy actually drew two oryx tags in one year. He drew a on range oryx tags. He made it seem like the almost like dove hunting when it comes to hunting on, on range on white sands. It was just like he drive out. And he's like, like go <laughs> like a mile out, and people were just off the road shooting oryx. Yeah, uh, that's and crazy. Things intriguing.
1: Like when you go on range, you get your pick of the litter because mm-hmm. I think most of the time you only have two to three days to hunt them on the entire yeah, hunt on that on then. that range. So they don't get pressured a whole lot. And then, hey, that's also where they were started was on the missile range. But off of the missile range, there's still times where we'll see 20 to 30 oryx in a herd and I'll pass them up as well. They're out there. We try to capture it as much as we can in our videos, but it's most of the time you're in that flat land and they're three miles away and you can't even tell what it is on video, but you know what it is.
0: Yeah. it's When you see one, like I've had them at like 80 yards. I've had them multiple times on some sheep hunts down there. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're just wild. They're a wild animal and they've got like the grays and the stripes and the whites and then the giant, I guess you call them horns on those animals right now. They're just, they got the eye patches. They're a really cool and a really cool critter. And they're big, man. They're like, yeah. like 100 pounds or something. They're not like, it's not an elk, but it's not a deer. It's, yeah. it's like right there in between those two. It's maybe a cow size. It's like, I, I would know. say so. It's like a cow, maybe smaller. I don't know. It's in that range. It's a big animal. And they're pretty, and I really want to get one and have one like on the wall behind me right here, just the hide. I don't really care so much for I have the euro, but the hide is a slick looking.
1: It's beautiful. And then I didn't do it with mine, sadly, but they they'll take the tail and like work with it, so it's like the long tail, and you like pin it to your wall. I think it's just one of the coolest things ever. And I, I don't know why I didn't do it, but I it, it's neat.
0: I hunted in Argentina in 2016 or 17 and a really cool ranch house and the owner, it was just like, he's like a world-renowned big game hunter, right? Trophy hunter. They they hunt different down there. These guys, people, only people who hunt down there have a lot of money and it's all trophy hunting. And, but in the room where you ate every night, there was a, a zebra pinned to the wall. Wow. It was bitching. And I'm like, man, I would love an Oryx. And that's, it. It stuck to me. that's why I want the Oryx like that, just pinned on my wall somewhere. My wife probably won't be stoked on it. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just tell her I'm going to put it over our bed, and then hopefully I'll get it somewhere else in the house. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> she's We're actually building it. I'm in my new office right now. We're building a whole new Tricer studio. And she's like already right, finally moving everything in here. And I'm like, no, no, it's got to stay in the house. So more I can see it, I can talk about it. <laughs> I like having my critters in the house. We only have, well, my boy is a big shoulder mount guy. My boy has a few formats in his bedroom. My 17 year old I like Euros. I think they're neat. They're um, clean and
1: they don't take up room. The, room the like shoulders are world. awesome. I have one deer that's shoulder mounted, but all, the rest of the stuff I've harvested, it's all Euros. I and mean, I think the Oryx Euro is pretty neat looking. I'll gotcha. have to send you a picture of mine
0: after this podcast. Yeah. When I go to I'm going to Sonora in January and the buck that we're ta- I, I want to shoot a buck over one ten. Mm-hmm. That buck is probably gonna get shot on mounted, but again, it's a coos deer and they're so small. Like a bull oh, yeah. elk is, you need to have at least twelve feet of ceiling. <laughs> like if you put a to bull up into an eight foot room, like just my office is just eight foot ceilings. Like you don't want to put the bull in here, where you have to start at the ground and have to go. And they're just on the top and they stick out four or five feet. They're just a very big animal. No, oh, they're ginormous. Um, so are you keep talking about your bow? Are you just strictly bow, or do you rifle hunt as well?
1: So I, as of right now, I typically, all of my deer and elk hunting is archery. The orcs I got last year, I really wanted to get them with my bow because the previous two, I was in bow range. um, But it just didn't seem possible, and I ended up getting one with the rifle. Barbary sheep, the way, how tough it's getting, antelope, we're mainly doing archery just because we're trying to give ourselves a higher chance of drawing. It's not so much that I'm addicted to it. I am, but... I just want opportunities and whatever is going to give me an opportunity, I'm going to go for it.
0: Yeah, that is the trick, right? Is that like the muzzle? Load, I think the muzzleloader thing, which is getting reined in right now, it got blown out of proportion, but like late season archery, like non-rut archery hunts and muzzleloader hunts are a lot easier to draw. And there is this crazy effect that everyone's putting in. And I, I don't know, Did New Mexico, New Mexico still allows for the ballistics or everything, right? On the muzzle muzzleloaders? Yes. Yes, they did. So, yeah, that's iconic. And there was a minute like five years ago where it was like, put in for muzzle, and then it's just gotten ruined because everyone started building these 500 yard, basically single shot rifles. which yeah. are starting to get reined in. I think Colorado's open site only. California's open site only. I think Nevada is. Utah just banned them mm-hmm. they are going to open site only because it was people were draw, it was an easier time to draw, and you're able to go shoot an elk at 500 yards. Basically, it oh, yeah. to so horrible. get more opportunity. It is for me, archery is a little bit harder with having five kids. I'm typically, I feel like I need to try and get done. And like one of those things where it's, if you have a seven day hunt, like you probably should plan on being gone for seven days.
1: Oh yeah. And all of that, the amount of time you have to stay with it. You can't just drop your bow and leave it there like a rifle. You can go to the range and spend a day or two, you'll be okay, but... Your bow, you got to be shooting consistently, especially if you are hunting something like deer, antelope. There is no way you are taking far shots if you haven't been shooting. <laughs> yeah, so it's just it's time consuming. It's a hobby, I think. Archery, just shoot, having a bow, is a different hobby outside of hunting on, in in its own. And and it, it's expensive, and it's hard to give yourself the time to shoot it as much as you need to. So yeah, I, I get that one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, those Barbaries, man, that would be a very hard hunt. I shot mine, I think four hundred thirty yards. That would be a very hard hunt with a bow. More so not if it was one ram, but most of the time it's not one ram. Most of time it's 20 or 30. Yeah. They have it All together. And they have <laughs> eyeballs like this side of base, size of baseballs. And they could just, they just, man, you get within, most of them to get to 500 yards, you're okay. Those things, they just pick you up and see you. Plus, you're hunting. And I, I, I have an idea of where you're hunting down there. It's just open. It's, it's, there's, open, there's and then it's, it's almost four or 500 foot mesas and they're coming off these mesas. So they have the elevation that you want and they're looking down at you. So a lot of times like when I hunted them, we were glassing from the bottom up and we, we were actually very mobile. We were moving a lot. We were actually moving and glassing, which is not really my style, but that hunt, it really worked. So we just did like the day we killed, we doubled up. We did like 18 miles because we are yeah. constantly, you're constantly moving canyon to canyon and looking for these things, moving, glassing for 23 minutes. Because it's not really at once. They're not hard to find because it's a big group. It's just hard to find where they are at that moment because they're not like a mule deer where you can pat on them. They're kind right. of like a migrating herd within this like whatever, two or three miles square or radius. So they're moving around in there. You have an idea of where they are. But archery yeah, that's would be I, it,
1: tough. It, it would be fun. It would be hard. I, I can't remember who it was. I watched a video on someone last year that got one, I think here in New Mexico, and they had the the decoy on their bow and yeah. that's how they got theirs. But We actually, I went scouting two weekends ago and I located two rams that are in a place where you could bow hunt them. So it's very possible, but you just got to spend the time and and get lucky trying to find some that are going to be in an area where you could throw on a good stock like that. But they're crazy. (laughs)
0: And and they don't need a lot of water either. So you're like sitting water is not really a great option for them, but you could choke point them too. You'd be like, okay, they're going to choke point here. If you know an area, I feel like I, I, in my mind, I think of this one canyon where we saw them like every day for a week. You definitely could sit one of these choke points and probably get an right, opportunity to rent. Mm-hmm. If you had the right if you have the wind, you could definitely get up there. And, and it's not like it's open too. That's the hard part. It's not like you're going to have this like cover where you can go from pinyon juniper to pinion juniper. It's like, we call them pucker bushes. We go to the desert out here because you pucker up when you're about to hit them on your dirt bike. <laughs> it's like these pucker bushes that you can see through. It's all there is and then rocks yep. and it's so loud but it it's is. not like you can just like creep it's not you're not walking on dirt it's like shield rock it was a gnarly hunt. it was a really cool hunt i want i put him for it every year and we haven't joined it since i actually put my both my boys and myself in all three individually just because if one of us draw it would be such a fun hunt to go back and do it i had a blast in that hunt
1: it is it's it, the way i see it is it's like your hunting mule deer which i love you're doing the same mm-hmm. things you're glassing trying to find them locating them but in they're moving all day. It's like they don't stop, especially around this time of Ooh. year when it's cold. They're moving <laughs> yeah. and feeding and they don't stop. And it, the funny thing is when you get close to them, you can hear, the, you can hear them bleeding and knocking rocks and, and all that. It's a blast. It's a completely different hunt than anything else that's out there.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's really fun. And what's funny is like when I was hunting for them, I did all this research and it's like, oh, they call them piss sheep. They taste like I thought my wife thinks it's the best animal we ever had. It's like a sweet meat. Like if yep. you don't like that, you probably just don't like game. Like they didn't taste bad. They tasted really good to me. I, I My wife loved it. Um,
1: uh, everyone here likes Oryx more than anything else. And I cooked up some of my Oryx and I cooked up some of my Barbary sheep. And I preferred the Barbary sheep over the Oryx, really? which granted I, I got a U, but... So it smelled terrible when I got it, but after cooking it up and everything, it was
0: amazing. Yeah, they definitely – they call them piss sheep for a reason.
1: Yeah. But it's because
0: <laughs> from what I understand who I was talking to, I think it was on the podcast, they just don't drink a lot of water, so they just pee like orange. Like they actually mm-hmm. stain the rocks. So it's just – that's why they smell so bad. Ah. Probably, I'm sure the rams are pissed on themselves and rolling on it. It's just like the way they make themselves smell They like that musky smell to yeah. go off the ladies.
1: But it, yeah, it's it's very interesting.
0: To hunt sheep too, right? Most people aren't going to have opportunity to hunt a bighorn, a California, a Rocky, a stone, a doll, but you could have the opportunity to go hunt a Barbary sheep, right? Or oh, yeah. whatever you call them. I feel like you guys call them Barbary. Texas calls them odd ads. It um, depends
1: on who I'm talking to. If it's, talk to people from Texas call them odd ads, so I'll tell them it's an odd ad, or here we call them Barbaries. But yeah, I mean, you can hunt Barbaries every year if you wanted to. Texas. It's hard to find and not spoken about a lot, but there's some over the counter opportunities. There's ranches that you can pay to go on. And then here the they have the draw here in New Mexico and they actually just increased the, the tag numbers. So they it's got, still difficult.
0: They it a few years ago. That's why we haven't draws. So that's good.
1: Yeah, they increased it pretty good this year and added more hunts. And so there's that. And then we have the over the counter opportunity as well. And that's awesome because you have the entire year to go chase Barbary sheep. So if you have other hunts that you have, you know, you can try the over-the-counter option whenever you have time. And then also another thing, too, is if you don't successfully get a Barbary sheep on your draw tag, you can then hunt the over-the-counter units with your tag. So that's pretty cool, too.
0: Good. Really, I didn't know that. That's really neat. Yeah. And another thing I like about New Mexico and some of these exotics is you can hunt them in March, February. Yeah. So you don't have to overlap them with your elk hunts and deer hunts, you can be like you can get that fix in February for odd ad mm-hmm. uh, and, and not conflict with your deer season. And honestly, like after doing it, I almost wouldn't mind. I would almost give up a deer tag here to go hunt odd ads in, in August or in, uh, October. Like they're, they're oh, yeah. They're really fun. It's a very fun hunt. If you like glassing, if you like being lots of hiking, and if you like seeing a lot of animals, honestly, at least even if we hunted, we saw a lot of sheep. It's fun. It's a really cool hunt. It's a great like a group hunt to do with people too. Like we did something well It's on a blast. It was I really enjoyed doing Barbaries. So what's up? you're starting to film more. What's up next for you guys for here Monster Outdoors?
1: So we have a Barbary sheep hunt this weekend. That's gonna be my brother's hunt. We're gonna be doing that here for a couple of days as long as we can. He has school and my dad's got work, so it could just be us, but we have some rams located, so we're going to be filming that one. And then after Christmas, we have a mule deer hunt for my other brother. They've been hitting it hard. They drew all kinds of tags this year, just completely unfair. And so then going
0: to be a January archery hunt then, right? Yeah,
1: me and Nick drew, right. drew coos in January. That's so the oh, last two weeks January. of January. Yeah, so, so it's going to oh, be oh, an archery coos deer good. hunt.
0: Yeah, never I've never hunted
1: them. I've seen them. I've always wanted to hunt them. And we've been in this unit for a little while now seeing them and where they're at. And this year we decided to put in for it. So we're going to give it a shot.
0: I'll tell you what, you're going to need a good tripod and panhead for that. That's the <laughs> difference. Coos deer are my jam. Those are my, if you had to say, put a gun to my head, pick one animal that's coos deer. I would give up everything else on coos deer. Um, honestly, after hunting coos my kid, and then going to the elk hunt, I was like, man, I wish we had a cooser right now because the elk just kick your butt, and are just. So oh yeah. Fun.
1: And once your content on hunt- Instagram from deer has been getting us so freaking excited for that hunt. Like we are just waiting for the days to go by. It seems like it's a blast, and when you get one, it's not like you're carrying 300 pounds of meat. You nah. can throw the single coos over your back, and you're done.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not. I made my boy. My boy carried down his own on this last time. Yeah, you're probably looking like anyone who tells you they shot a small one because they just wanted the meat. You're full of crap. They weigh like, you might get 30 pounds on one of those things. They're not big. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, I think with you guys are probably similar. I think when we go like Sonora, they're about 110, 115 pounds. But up here, you're shooting 90, 100 pound buck. They're not that big. And you're not getting a ton of meat off that thing when it's all said yeah. and done.
1: Um, if you like coos deer hunting that much in the Gila wilderness, there are coos deer. You can hunt some cool timber bucks up there. And we actually saw a few... On our elk hunt in September, and they—I don't know how to judge a coos deer. I've never really gotten good at it, but they look pretty good sized. It was weird seeing them up there.
0: Yeah, with the coos deer, what you are looking for is you want the main beams. Like the main beams are coming together, it's a big deer, right? And you want mm-hmm. you want eye guards, right? You want those four or five inch eye guards. You want those big G twos. That's when you start realizing, oh, okay, it's a big deer. We can start counting points and seeing how big it is. But I'm not no expert. i missed just—it's hard because like you see a coos deer, like you talk to a guy from. Anywhere else in the country, they're going to be like, that's a small buck. What is that? And you don't understand. <laughs> like my kid shot, I think it was like, uh, I haven't put a tape on it, but it's probably mid-80s. But he had the mass, he had the eye guards. We, we probably passed 15 bucks till we got to that one. And you just, oh, that yeah. is a good representation of the species, right? You want, you really want what well, you want, a three-by at least. Right. Typically a four-by is a lot harder to come by. They don't really go for it. Most of them, it's a three, a big three. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for that mass, Thinking for the main beams to come together, get that four to six inch cap right there, and they won't be beyond the ears either. You'll get them like out to the ears, the like thirteen they to fourteen. They always inch look friend. like real
1: baskety to me. Like it just yeah. looks like a big basket on top of their head. It's what? But they, yeah, the mass they have a weird mass. Like it's just crazy. It's just, I, the ones that we've been seeing, anyways. They're just different.
0: They're different. They're really cool. And the cool thing is too. I'm not. I like with coonser. You can just shoot one. That's cool too. Because they're like we killed a buck in a. A unit that nobody, supposed to be a terrible unit. We killed three bucks in two days. This is, I don't know, this is 2020 or something. Wow. And the buck my buddy shot was just a big fork. And like he was a fork, but he had like seven inch eye guards and he had <laughs> no teeth He was an old buck. So he just wasn't, he, he had be more than a fork, but he had these eye guards that were six, seven inches. The, the eye guards almost went as tall as the main beams. It was really neat. <laughs> it was funny. It's fun to shoot a deer like that, right? Just something different. And uh, Honestly, any coos deer is a representation. And with your bow, I wouldn't be, depends on how picky you want to be, but coos deer are, they are a very hard animal to get close to. Yeah. Those deer are very hard to get close to. We, where we hunt, we got this one unit figured out in Arizona, and we probably see 40 deer a day. We were seeing bucks every day. And one of the last mornings, I glassed up these this little buck, another buck, and then there's just a bunch of does, and all of a sudden here comes this lion into the canyon. And he comes in and he, it's, and then we're like four of archers line. He's on his back and he's rolling around and doing huh. the whole game. It was really cool to watch. I didn't get any content because I, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> I had the, I had the all and I had the whole thing. And then all of a sudden this cat goes over this Canyon and you just hear <laughs> and this deer, <laughs> are like, like a of quail, just deer. just. <clears throat> and this cat just killed, kill a deer. Jeez. And I try to get some friends around run. I have some friends over there that, that run dogs and our mm-hmm. no one wanted to drive down and, and hunt those, those, dude, those units tear you up and then i got that cat's paw in them every single you push thorns i had a thorn in my finger and it felt like i like almost i don't know what like a, i don't want to say a pimple but it's like my finger i'm like man there's something in here like a splinter and i came a week later i freaking popped that thing and over a quarter inch cactus came out of my finger and they live in places where everything bites down there. really fun. So you got that. You're going to probably be filming spring bear, right? We don't have
1: spring bear here in New Mexico. We do. It's a draw, but we didn't draw that this year, sadly. But we're going to try to look for some other opportunities to our schedule. We'll do some javelina hunting, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And then we always go turkey hunting. So we'll probably try to hit that, do a little bit of fly fishing up in the Gila. That's always a nice little break away from everything. That, yeah. Yeah. So that's what we do in the springtime for now. Um, next year, we're, after this year, hopefully everyone likes our stuff that we're putting out and we can experiment with some different states and uh, different style hunts. So that's what we're looking forward to this year though.
0: I you. you enjoy turkey hunting?
1: I do. It's I think it's elk hunting. I know a lot of people say that, but it is. You're calling an animal in, which is it's a blast. When you get animals to respond to you and they come running in, it it's a lot of fun. We go up every year with the family. Um, we'll go to this place uh, near Silver City, New Mexico. Go call some turkeys, and then there's a big lake there. where we'll go trout fishing. So you get a little bit of everything all in one shot. We'll stay for two weekends. So it's a good time.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's. I've done it. I've never killed a turkey. I've had. I've called them in to people. And have people kill them with me? Mm-hmm. I called them in my kids. I've Call them into friends. I have them kill them. It's just I don't know why. I know people just love it, and I'm like, man, like to me, I'm just like. This is boring. It's boring and yeah. all of a sudden it's not. If It's boring and all of a sudden there's a freaking turkey there and it's the most exciting thing in the world. So it's I get that people get so hooked on it. It's hard. Just, like
1: here, people have a hard time because a lot of people hunt off the road. And I it's not that <laughs> they're not there. They just but they the don't respond the to calls. Oh, yeah. They, they just don't respond to calls off the road and they think it's the hardest thing ever. We'll go fly fishing back into the Gila 5, 10 miles and they'll be gobbling everywhere. And you we called the two gobblers right into our camp. Like it's... You just got to get off the road and hunt them like elk, but no one wants to do it because it's just a turkey.
0: <laughs> so you, you talk about, are you guys doing a lot of backpack hunting and backpack style trips?
1: Yeah. So most of what we do is backpack hunting, especially elk. Okay. We, we're doing a lot of backpack style hunting. And then we're, we di- we've done a little bit for deer. I think the coos deer hunt this year, we're going to try to do like uh, camp on back and just stay very mobile. And then like even my orcs hunt, we didn't backpack. We were walking through the desert doing things that typically people don't really do. And A, we do it because it's fun and you get to see some good scenery. But B, we're also trying to do it while we can before we get too old because time freaking flies.
0: <laughs> it does, dude. I, I said I'm almost 38 now. And it's the first year where I've slowed down. Like my left knee is just killing me still. Like it's uh, – it, it, I'm like, man, I, just, I I drive my body like I stole it. Like mm-hmm. I will – I will roll out of that freaking tent every morning and hunt my butt off. I'm to the glass room an hour, half hour, an hour before sunrise, and I'll just go until there's nothing left in the tank. But this is the first year where I'm like, man, this is uh, this is harder than it used to be. No, oh, it and is. I'm not, jump- I'm not jumping off rocks. I'm bracing myself coming off of rocks. I'm not. It's just, it's harder than it used to be.
1: Oh, it so definitely, I, I definitely is. Definitely, it's,
0: it's- I definitely want to get a man and do it before you can.
1: It takes a toll on your body. Even for me, we came back from, we were in the Gila wilderness on mules. We went, I think nine miles deep this year and just had a crazy hunt. But I think I did all in all from scouting through the summer and that hunt, I probably did anywhere from five to 600 miles and my my body was just shocked. (laughs) I was tired. I was in the best shape of my life, but the first weekend I had back home, I just was a couch potato. I don't think I left the couch all day. I watched football instead. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and then when then you get kids and you get home from a hunt and it's your wife's <laughs> like, Nope, take the kids. Yep. I got home last year. I got I rolled into town at 2 a.m. on Thursday. I had to go to work the next day, my my day job. And I got home and I had those kids all weekend and there was no land on the couch. It was like Dad, what's up? i Yeah. My four year old, yep. even my whole hunt, did my four-year-old like doesn't know how to FaceTime me. He's just FaceTime me the whole time I'm on the hunt. I'm like, Dad, why are you talking like that? I want to stop. See, stop calling me. <laughs> I want to face No, I can't FaceTime <laughs> going Oh,
1: that's awesome! Yeah, I, I'm yeah. looking forward to the day that happens. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a whole. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's awesome getting them out there and doing it, and then having them all get older. Like my ten year old's on deck now, right? He'll be hunting next year. He should draw some. He has a points now. He'll start drawing tags and some states. And it's awesome. hitting that hour mark. What? Where can we find you? Where's your content at? Tell us your Instagram, YouTube, all the stuff.
1: Yeah. So you can find us on pretty much all social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. It's just at Gila Monster Outdoors. Same thing for YouTube. We have a YouTube channel there with some good videos and stuff. But yeah, that's those are all the places that you can find us. And if you guys want to message us and learn more about New Mexico, just feel free to shoot us a message. We've been trying to help out as many people as we can.
0: Awesome, dude. Gavin, this was an awesome podcast. Some great stuff i'm excited for this if you're coming out with and uh, let's do it again why don't you guys go kill a barber and let's do it again in the spring and talk about that barber you, you're a fun podcast dude go follow him on us outdoors go watch their videos just some normal dudes out there trying to get it done and not making mistakes and killing animals and just giving you the real deal so it's, i recommend them highly and thanks for coming on bro let's do it again
1: awesome thanks Drew.
0: Thank you for listening to the Tricer podcast. Do us a favor and like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Tricer USA. And go and check out all of our innovative gear at www.tricerusa.com. Until next time, shoot straight, have fun, and always put God first.